Garden Variety is supported by MIMS Financial Services in Iowa City, committed to providing strategic legacy planning to help clients reach their financial goals at all stages in life. Learn about their team and how to get started at MIMSFS.com. This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. I'm Tony Sarabia here for Charity Nebbi. Okay, so for me, there's something about the taste, the smell, and the texture of a melon that says summer. I mean, sure, you can buy watermelon, cantaloupe, or all those other varieties year-round at the grocery store, but isn't it worth the wait when they are truly in season here? And, and why buy them when you can grow them on your own? So we're going to talk melons for a while, and here for that is Dan Phileas. He's a commercial vegetable and specialty crop specialist at Iowa State University Extension and Outreach, and he's going to give us the ins and outs of growing your own melons. Hi, Dan. Hi there, Tony. How are you? Pretty good. So I read the other day, botanically speaking, that melons are actually a berry? Oh, my goodness. You've done way more research on this than I have, Tony. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. That's a pretty big berry. So what is a melon? (laughs) Oh, a melon. I mean, it's a... So melons are in the cucurbit family. Uh These are, you know, the other things in there are cucumbers and pumpkins, winter squash, uh, summer squash, zucchini. uh, And and, and, and they are... uh, the fruits of that of that plant that are and like you say just delicious they 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 are very sweet what do we know about the history of growing melons here in the US oh well you know that again i didn't do the history lesson on this but i do know <laughs> here in iowa we you know we are known particularly the, the muscatine region in uh-huh. southeast iowa um Muscatine County, these Muscatine melons, uh, historically, this was a big area for growing melons in the state. And uh, particularly that is because of the sandy, con- the sandy soils that are there, a uh, Muscatine Island, you know, right there in the, uh, on the river. And, right. um, yeah, so, so sandy soils are very good for growing melons. Um, you get, um, uh, both because these sandy soils are often have a have a, a a shallow water table, these plants can feed on that water or drink that water, I should say, and also the sandy soils are um, are good draining so that you don't end up with um, mud packed on the the fruits, so it's easier to cl- uh, have a clean product and also that you don't get standing water, which can cause diseases in these melons. Okay, so speaking of of water and and sandy soil. Uh, a lot of people don't want sandy soil, right, in their gardens. So, so what makes <laughs> yeah. it? What What are some of the challenges uh, for home gardeners like myself who who want to grow melons who don't have that kind of soil? Sure. And so, sandy soils are you know coming with that is a need to irrigate quite a bit if you are in a dry spell and they don't hold the water. But so the benefit of not having sandy soils is that you have this soil that 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 is able to feed, has higher organic matter and holds water better. So it's feeding that so those plants much better and able to go through a dry spell maybe with with preser- giving that water that is in the soil. Um you do end up like I said uh, earlier that you could have clean fruit with a sandy soil. You mm-hmm. can have mud uh, stick to the melons on, uh, in a, in a, if you've got a heavier soil, as most of us do. But a lot of people will mitigate that by growing these 
uh, melons on either a straw mulch or a black plastic mulch or a, a black ground cover, like landscape woven landscape fabric that can keep them off the ground oh. and keep them from getting dirty. So lay that down first and then yes. put in the seeds. Exactly. Or plant the seeds. You know, some, a, lot, a lot of times people say to plant these in hills, and that, that does work. Most commercial growers will plant these in rows. Um, plants about, oh, you know, two to anywhere for, from two to six feet apart, and we'll plant a couple seeds every, uh, you know, in a row uh, mm. that far apart. And then they can lay, either they'll punch a hole in the plastic or the landscape fabric, or they'll lay the landscape fabric up next to the edge of the row on either side and cover the space in between the rows with that landscape fabric or straw mulch can be laid down also. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say I wish I had talked to you last week because we've already planted some melons. So speaking of planting, is right now the best time? We did it about two weeks ago. Yes, it definitely is. You know, I planted mine in mid-May and if it's if you're, you know, a person could, could really gamble and plant in early May for earlier fruit. Um, but, but I go for mid May cause it's a little bit more of a, a sure thing, but planting now and you know, it's, it's June 9th right now mm-hmm. and planting now to the, for another week or so will probably get you melons in the, in the prime melon season, because as soon as it's, it's funny, as soon as we hit Labor Day, people start thinking about pumpkins and fall decor and uh, things right. like that. And, and they're less, uh, you know, interested in eating a watermelon. And uh, I'm thinking about this from a, you know, a marketing standpoint from, for commercial growers, but, um, you know, you want to eat it when it's warm and, so getting it in now will assure you the best chance of having these melons to eat during the prime melon season of, uh, you know, meteorological summer. Okay, so once we, we got them in the ground, right away I think of pests. Not, not varmint, but those right. really little <laughs> tiny ones. What are some of the most common ones that we have to watch out for? And does that cover help prevent them from getting at the, the oh. tiny plants and the seeds? Oh, I wish there was a, a, a you know, one thing. Right. So, but you're right. The tiny pests to watch out for, particularly with muskmelon slash cantaloupe. And I'm going to use probably those terms interchangeably okay. today. It's, there is a lot of debate about, you know, the differences. And there are some specific differences. But for our purposes, people re- will refer to those interchangeably in our mm-hmm. region. And it really does mean about the same thing. So muskmelon slash cantaloupe have a pest uh, that is similar to cucumbers. Uh, it's the cucumber beetle this yellow small beetle either with a striped stripes on its back or spots on its back i think of the striped ones as being particularly damaging especially early in the season those ground covers do not prevent those pests but there is another cover if you were to um, organic growers will often cover their plants from the time they plant until they start to flower with a row, what's called row cover or insect barrier, or um, it's also called frost fabric. Mm-hmm. It's this white sheet, kind of looks like a giant dryer sheet that you strip right out over the field and weigh that down on the uh, around the perimeter. And that will keep the cucumber beetles from feeding. And it's the, once the plants are at the size, when they start to flower, they can tolerate a little bit of feeding. And there's less of those adults because those adults will uh, overwinter as adults and come out of um, 
you know, their, their winter hibernation. And they, sadly, they, they overwinter with most of them have a disease, a bacterial disease in their gut that True. then when they feed on the first uh, cucurbit crops in the spring will transmit that disease and cause a bacterial wilt on those crops. So that's a big one to watch for. And, um, that's the, that is a major pest in these things. So we talked a little bit about now's the time to plant. I'm wondering, a lot of people, when they, when they are getting ready to plant, whatever that may be, a lot of times people want to plant indoors and then bring those, whatever it is, outdoors and put them in the ground. Is that a good idea for, for melons? It can be, especially if you, uh, as, as a, as a early gamble with, for that early, uh, part of the season, if you want to get them in early May, you want the you know, fruit as fast as you, uh, as you can, if you plant them early, you might be able to, you know, gamble and then look at the weather forecast and, Oh, it looks great. I'm going to put them in now. Mm. The, the, the risk though, is with this, with most cucurbit crops, they're very sensitive to root disturbance and they grow very fast. And so if you have a stretch of weather when they are ready to go in and a stretch of weather is rainy or bad for planting, then you can end up with uh, transplants that are really lanky, and when you plant them out in the heat, they can end up, uh, you know, have, being more damaged and set back than if you were to just direct seed. Mm-hmm. So the ideal thing is to, um, if it all was was perfect, you would seed these things indoors under some nice lights so that they don't get too stretched out looking for light. You would hold them in large celled uh, containers for two weeks, maybe three weeks. Uh, let them harden for four or five days outside so that they are standing up to wind and, and, and the conditions outside and then plant them right when their roots are, have just filled out and are holding the media together in that transplant cell or tray or, or container that you've got and, um, and the, and, and put it in the ground without disturbing those roots. And then you might be able to have that thing continue its growth on a nice trajectory Hmm. but often with these lanky ones that start to turn yellow or they're flowering in the tray that's not a sign that it's that you've 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 cracked the code when they're flowering it's usually there's it's a sign that they're stressed out when they're in this in the tray or in the cell and um you you could be better off or just as good direct seeding at that time because that those direct seeded ones will catch up Okay, speaking of seeds, this is uh, this for me. This might be a really uh, obvious or dumb question. Um, I'm not the gardener. My husband Andy is. I I tend, I want to harvest them. Um, yeah, do that kind of work. But so I can take those seeds from whatever melons we've eaten and use those for the next season. You could try that. There are certain varieties that are open pollinated and would do really well with that. Um, if, however, the variety when you ordered it or or, or acquired it somehow said uh, F1 next uh-huh. to it, it's a hybrid that the the seeds from the fruit that you eat will um, express more characteristics of one of the parents, which and not the fruit that you just ate. So um, it's if you are planting an open pollinated one, yes, definitely you can do that. Um, that would be that would be very good and and you know i think one of uh, there's a really good watermelon called uh, uh crimson sweet that's a nice open pollinated melon and you know there's a i know that there are several growers in the state that are growing of uh, one called blacktail mountain that is also an open pollinated that it would be possible to do that um 
but there's oh there's so many difference if you were looking for a seedless melon that is mm-hmm. definitely a hybrid and you would not be able to plant uh ob- well it's seedless so <laughs> say no more huh <laughs> so my question wasn't so far out because I, I, no. I, I I'm thinking maybe a lot of people think that you know oh, I'll just plant this in the ground and get another one Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are ones that I usually buy in, but uh, I, but I, it's not something that I really uh, I, I do a, a enough other little projects and experiments that I don't seed saving has not been one of mine. But it, for those who are really interested in this, it's definitely one you could try to yeah. do. We're talking melons right now. I'm Tony Sarabia in for Charity Nebby. Dan Phileas is with me. He's a commercial vegetable and specialty crop specialist at Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. Garden Variety is supported by MIMS Financial Services in Iowa City, committed to providing strategic legacy planning to help clients reach their financial goals at all stages in life. Learn about their team and how to get started at MIMSFS.com. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Aaron Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time. <laughs>